0: Hello, and welcome back to season four. This is episode two of season four of weekly political pep talks. And as always, I'm Leo, and I'm Vishal. So it's definitely
1: been a long time since we uploaded and created a new episode. And that's definitely on us for not keeping you guys in the loop. So we're really sorry about that. But I think so far, what's been happening in our lives is school recently, I mean, not recently, maybe like a month ago just ended. Mm -hmm. And At least for the first couple weeks of summer, me and Leo decided to take it easy and we decided to, you know, have a little bit more of a restful summer. Yeah, and then me and Leo both actually picked up jobs recently. So Leo, why don't you talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah, so I'm working as a lifeguard. I got my certification at the beginning of June and now I lifeguard at a local club where we live. Those shifts are pretty, pretty long, usually about seven or eight hours per day, but with breaks and I work at that club and then I also work at a program called Swim Angelfish, which is swimming specifically for kids with special needs. And I'm a lifeguard there, too. Wow, that's very interesting, Leo.
1: Uh, So for me, I actually work in our local government, so I'm in charge, or I work in the probate court of Stanford, and it's definitely very interesting and a unique experience. I'm like in charge of like scanning files and making sure people's stuff, like name changes or certain last name changes, and other stuff and tax returns are all scanned into like whatever e-system they have. And actually, I've been able to shadow some attorneys because there are actually some cases which you might not believe actually do go into the probate court. So that's definitely been a very eye-opening experience and very interesting experience. And yeah, that's
0: pretty much what we've been up to. Also school related, we both took our AP exams and just a couple of days ago, we got our scores back. Oh
1: yeah. And thankfully we both did very well. So it's been a pretty good summer so far. Yes. For the rest of the summer, why don't we just cover that since we're talking about summer already?
0: All right. Yeah. So I'm going on vacation to Brazil. That's where my entire mom's side of the family is from Brazil. And I haven't been there in I think five years, last time I went, was end of 2017, beginning of 2018. So I leave on the 14th and I'm gone for about two weeks and I come back beginning of August. So I'm very excited for that trip. For me, I'm actually leaving in early August to Spain. It's definitely one of like a family trip just
1: for pleasure. We don't know anybody there. And the plan is just to rent a car in Madrid and go driving around Spain. So hopefully that'll be a very interesting experience and a very nice vacation. But that's pretty much it. And then we begin our senior year of high school. So that's exciting. I know. I can't believe it. It's been sophomore year. Now we're going to senior year. Yep. All right. Should we get into the episode? Yeah. But before that, why don't you introduce the main topic for us today, Leo?
0: Absolutely, Vishal. So the main topic of today's episode deals with copyright and copyright law in the U.S. And interestingly enough, this topic actually deals with us because recently
1: we've actually had to deal with this. So Leo, why don't you talk about that?
0: Yeah, so we'll get into it more a little bit in our main topic. But essentially, two of our episodes were taken down for copyright reasons because of the use of third party music. And the podcast platform that we upload these episodes on, which is called Anchor, emailed us giving an alert that these two episodes were taken down. So that's very unfortunate. And we're trying to resolve the whole thing, which we'll explain a little bit more soon. And hopefully that's resolved and we're able to re-upload the episodes soon.
1: But before all that, let's get into the current events section and discuss what happened in our country this past
0: month. But first, cue the music.
1: the first thing we'd like to talk about today actually deals with the last episode we released about, and it's actually something called affirmative action. So if you guys don't know, the Supreme Court actually overturned affirmative action. So, with the Supreme Court in its conservative majority, it effectively ended race-conscious admission programs at colleges and universities within the United States. So, the decision essentially invalidates admissions programs at Harvard and the University of North Carolina, reversing decades of precedent and other processes which allowed colleges and universities to look at race when admitting applicants and deciding who doesn't make the cut. So, the Chief Justice John Roberts essentially who is a critic of affirmative action, wrote the decision stating that colleges must use colorblind criteria in admissions. So, Justice Clarence Thomas, another conservative judge, concurred criticizing affirmative action for imposing a stigma on minorities. Columbia University President and others expressed disappointment, seeing the decision as entrenching racial inequality in education. The court, however, left open the possibility of considering race in applicants' discussions of how it affected their lives and in military academy admissions. So for universities such as West Point, they are allowed to look at race when it comes to admitting applicants. The decision is likely to have broader impacts as well on education, employment, and other social life within the United States. Now, the public opinion on affirmative action is mostly mixed with conflicting poll results. Critics plan to challenge other programs such as minority scholarships and employment practices. Alternative methods to diversify student bodies have not been as effective as considering race. The Supreme Court's decision is seen as contradictory and will lead to significant changes in the admission systems. So the decision essentially highlights the complex and difficult nature of addressing race in American society. And this is something that's both relevant to me and Leo, because as the 2023-2024 year is approaching, me and Leo will actually be applying to college. So I guess we'll be the first people to see what truly race-blind admissions mean.
0: Yeah, that's going to be very interesting to see. And there's still definitely a possibility of us doing an episode on just affirmative action sometime down the road. So yeah, so we'll definitely talk more about that. So now let's get into our next current event for this episode, which is who is running for president in 2024. So as we get to about the midpoint of 2023, obviously the next presidential election is already starting to start up. So let's look at who's going to be running. So the 2024 Republican presidential field has expanded with several new candidates, including former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, former Vice President Mike Pence, North Dakota Governor Doug Burgum, Miami Mayor Francis Suarez, and former Representative Will Hurd. Now, former President Donald Trump and President Joe Biden have both announced their bids for 2024, potentially setting up a rematch of the 2020 election, which would be a very interesting thing to see. Definitely. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is considered a serious challenger to Trump in the Republican primary, focusing on a far-right cultural agenda. Senator Tim Scott, one of the most prominent Black Republicans and I believe the only Black Republican in the Senate, presents himself as a baggage-free alternative to Trump and DeSantis. Conservative radio host Larry Elder, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, venture capitalist Vivek Ramaswamy, former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley, self-help author Marianne Williamson, activist and lawyer Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and author Cornel West are also running for the Republican nomination. Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin is another potential Republican contender. Now, there are also two Republican businessmen, Ryan Binkley and Perry Johnson, who have launched long-shot presidential bids, but. With all these people in the field, it's not very likely that they'll get much support. It is a crowded and diverse field with candidates emphasizing different policy priorities and positioning themselves in relation to Trump's legacy. So with that, it seems like Joe Biden is mostly going to be the Democratic nominee. And there's definitely a lot of people up for the Republican nomination. So we'll see what happens then over the next year and a couple months. And I think the twenty twenty four election will be a very interesting one to watch. I
1: think the main thing that comes into play with this election is actually the age of the two primary candidates, right? Yeah. So the main thing with the Democrats that came into question was Biden's age, because I think by the time he he was already
0: the oldest president to be inaugurated. Exactly. So he's
1: going to be the oldest president to run for reelection then. Mm -hmm. And I think by the time, if he actually wins the presidency, he's going to be like over 80 years old or close to 80 years old, which is Uh, actually crazy when you think about
0: it. Yeah. I mean, and then the Republican alternative, who at this point, it's looking to be Donald Trump is also in his, I believe, mid 70s, right? Yes.
1: So it won't just be a common Democrat and Republican thing. The main thing also in this election will be the age of the two candidates, which is very
0: high. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see on the Republican side, if they lean towards a younger candidate or if they continue to support Donald Trump. I mean,
1: only time will tell.
0: So the next thing
1: we're going to talk about is actually another Supreme Court decision. And what it's specifically about is the Supreme Court essentially reversing Biden's plan on student loan forgiveness. So if you guys don't remember, a couple years ago, Biden actually released a plan Which had planned to cancel over $400 billion of student loan debt accumulated for like the past couple years. Essentially, the Supreme Court invalidated President Biden's student debt relief plan, ruling it was unlawful without explicit approval from Congress. Now, To be more specific, the plan aimed to cancel up to $20,000 in student debt for eligible borrowers and was estimated to cost over $400 billion. So this was definitely no cheap plan and was definitely going to be groundbreaking if it went through. So Biden expressed disappointment and pledged to find alternative ways to provide relief to middle-class families burdened by student debt. The decision puts pressure on the administration to explore alternative avenues for forgiving student debt that could withstand legal challenges. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer mentioned remaining legal routes for the broad-based student debt cancellation. The ruling follows the court's embrace of the major questions doctrine, which requires clear authorization from Congress for significant policy change. Student loan repayment will resume soon, and Biden's plan targeted borrowers earning less than $125,000 per year, with additional relief to Pell Grant recipients. The administration may invoke the 1965 Higher Education Act as an alternative, but the implementation will definitely take some time. But Republicans welcomed the ruling while liberal justices dissented, arguing that the court exceeded its role. The decision affects upcoming student loan repayment at the end of August after a pause due to the coronavirus pandemic. The court considered two cases, one brought by six states and the other brought by individuals with student debt. The Biden administration closed the application process after the plan was blocked, and the Congressional Budget Office estimated a cost of $400 billion cumulative for the plan.
0: So yeah, I think it's very clear that the Supreme Court is taking some big steps. I mean, with the now conservative majority, I wouldn't be surprised if some more things were struck down. I mean, Roe v. Wade was overturned only about a year ago, and now affirmative action and student loan. It's it's very clear that this new court is definitely has an agenda and is moving forward with some very impactful decisions, right? And yeah, definitely. And it's
1: interesting to see because if you look at the court versus the president, I think it's very... It's not really common when they're both supporting differing things. So obviously there's going to be a pause in what's going to be passed, and there's definitely going to be a little bit of stalling because of these two polarizing views.
0: Yeah, so I think it's likely maybe not a lot of new stuff will be passed. Yeah, He's because... def-
1: definitely Biden's going to have to find some loopholes if he wants his stuff passed, because I think
0: right, the Supreme I...
1: Court really is going to have give him troubles with trying to pass stuff.
0: Yeah, because anything that he wants to pass or will bring up through Congress and tries to sign, then the Supreme Court could just strike it down as unconstitutional. Yes.
1: And this is, again, one of those things that time will only tell. I think though, one thing for sure is Biden will definitely have to find some other route to pass his agendas for the remaining
0: years he's in office. Mm -hmm. But he still has to focus on getting reelected. Yeah, I know. That's another thing.
1: (laughs) But yeah, I mean, that's all we have today for what's been happening in the month. So why don't we move on for
0: our main topic today? So now let's move on to our main topic for today's episode, which will be, as we said before, copyright law in the United States.
1: Now, you might have noticed if you looked at the Weekly Political Pep Talks page on Spotify or whatever platform you're listening on, that Pep Talks number 14 and 21 are no longer there. Now, why is that, Leia?
0: Well, this is because, as we found out only a couple of weeks ago, those episodes were taken down by Anchor, the podcast platform through which we upload our show. Now the stated reason that these two episodes were taken down was because Anchor, quote, identified third-party music in this content and the rights holder has indicated the music is not licensed, end quote.
1: In layman's terms, this means that we use music in our episode that a third party had a copyright claim on. In this case, the third party was
0: Universal Music Group. Now in response to this, we replied to Anchor to let them know that firstly, we contested this takedown and we wanted to fight it, and secondly, that this takedown should not have happened in the first place. We explained that we're not a monetized podcast, which is true, and we are in no way trying to profit off of this music that we use in our intros.
1: The main thing what we're trying to do here is simply give news and then later on reflect on our opinions. We are no way trying to make money on this and we tried
0: to explain countless times but I don't think we got any response from Universal Music Group. Yeah we also pointed out that we've been a functioning podcast for about two years and we've never had any of these claims put up against us so we had no idea one why this was starting now and also why these episodes were taken down so abruptly without so much as a warning email that could have given us the chance to remove the music from the episode without having to take the entire episode down. I think that this could have definitely gone down a very different path. And it could have been avoided if we had given some
1: warning. Now, for the past couple weeks, we've been trying to resolve this issue with Anchor, and Anchor actually got back to us and told us that the only way to resolve this is by actually reaching out to Universal Music Group ourselves and trying to come up with this resolution between the two parties. So, we did exactly that, and again, explained our situation. We explained that we are in no way monetized, and we were not trying to profit off this podcast, and again, we did not know they had a copyright claim over this music.
0: Yeah, and it's been a couple of weeks since we sent that email to Universal Music Group, and we have still yet to receive a response from them, and we're figuring out our next steps. But I think what most likely will happen is we'll edit the episodes, remove the music, and then re-upload them. I think that's what's unfortunately going to have to happen because I don't see any way that they're going to
1: respond to our email.
0: Yeah. But the fact that a small local podcast such as ourselves has been affected by copyright laws and have had claims put up against us by a corporation as massive as the Universal Music Group, it really shows the scale of copyright law and how important it is that we analyze it in today's society. So without further ado, let's get into our main topic and talk about some definitions that relate to copyright law. So the official US Office of Copyright, which is an agency of the government, defines copyright as, quote, a type of intellectual property that protects original works of authorship. Putting this into our own words, we'll say that copyright is the ownership a person, company, or group has over a piece of writing, music, or other form of art.
1: Now, we'll also define the word patent, which relates closely to the idea of copyright. We'll define it as an authority or license that gives a person, company, or
0: group the exclusive rights or ability to make, use, or sell an invention. So now let's discuss the history of copyright law in the United States, which brings us all the way back to the day, May 31st, 1790. So very far back a few years after our
1: country actually became the United States, Congress passed the first copyright law in the United
0: States, known as the Copyright Law of 1790. So not that very creative thing. Yeah. This law protected, quote, books, maps, and charts from being reproduced or sold by someone who is not the original author for up to 14 years, and it also had the possibility of a renewal period of another 14 years. And this law was based off a similar British law called the Statute of Anne as most early American legislation was based off the British system. And a fun fact about this time period is that our very own home state of Connecticut was the first state to pass a state copyright law that was more specific than the federal law, which was the copyright law of 1790. And Noah Webster, who is well known today for his help with developing the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, was instrumental in the passage of this state law. The next major event of copyright law in the United States would actually be the major Supreme
1: Court decision of Wheaton v Peters, which took place in the year of 1834, more
0: than 40 years after the first passage of the copyright law of 1790. And this decision set the precedent that Congress was the one who had the ability to set the requirements and conditions for what qualifies as a copyright. And this means that Congress can say something along the lines of, this work must have been created by the person who wants to claim copyright over it, and they can hold that copyright for however many years Congress decides. Additionally, this
1: decision set that no one can copyright a court decision and that any and all court decisions are, are and always will be accessible to the public. Also, a couple years before this decision
0: in 1831, the very first musical copyright was registered. Now, what was the song, Leia? The song that this copyright was registered was called Made of My Love by David L. Richardson. In 1856, dramatic performances, in other words, stage
1: plays and other performances, were protected by copyright. This meant that you couldn't
0: perform someone else's plays without their permission. And then in 1865, photographs were also protected by copyright. So in 1880, the case of Selden v. Baker set the precedent that even though copyright protects the expression of an idea, it does not protect the idea itself. So those words kind of sound a little complicated, so
1: here's a quick example that Leo and I came up with. Say a person makes a book of yoga poses and publishes it and copyrights it. This copyright does not stop other people from doing those yoga poses that are in the book, but it does stop other people from reproducing that very book,
0: which Leo and I had made money off of. So yeah, hopefully that little analogy makes sense, and we'll get on to the next major law. And this would be the copyright act of 1909 which was signed into law by none other than the legendary teddy roosevelt and this law was the very first comprehensive copyright law of the 20th century the
1: copyright term was now 28 years with a renewal term of another 28 years
0: it also established what was called a compulsory mechanical license This is essentially a music-related copyright license that doesn't allow someone to reproduce a person's song, but it does allow them to re-record that song and then publish that without the creator's permission.
1: Essentially, you can record a cover without the original artist's permission as
0: long as you don't pen it off as your own. An example that came to mind was this. When recording the album The College Dropout, rapper Kanye West wanted to sample Lauryn Hill's song, Mystery of Iniquity, on his song, All Falls Down. But he didn't get permission from Lauryn Hill in time for the album's release. So instead, what he did was he got a singer named Selena Johnson to sing a cover of Lauryn Hill's song, and then he rapped over that instead. So since it was a cover and he wasn't actually using Lauryn Hill's song, or at least her version of the song, without her permission, he didn't end up breaking any copyright laws.
1: Let's move forward and talk about the 21st century. In 2018, we saw the passage of the Orangey Hatch Bob Lot Music Modernization Act. Wow, that's a tongue twister. Also simply
0: known as the MMA. And this was the most significant copyright legislation in years, probably since the one passed in 1909. And it updated copyright laws in the music marketplace and elsewhere. And I think it's something along the lines of a thousand pages long. That is very long. Very comprehensive. (laughs)
1: Now, in today's world, a major point of contention when it comes
0: to copyright is with the company Disney. Disney is now notorious for their many remakes of their old animated films into live-action films. For example, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, The Little Mermaid, Cinderella. All of these are examples of beloved animated films that have been remade in some form into a live-action movie. Now, many
1: consider these remakes to lack the creativity and heart that were put into the original movies, and many
0: see them as a lazy money grab for Disney. And the truth is that, yes, these movies are money grabs for the company, but they're also something more. They allow Disney to extend their copyright on these beloved characters and make sure that no one else can use them in their movies. Now, while making The Little Mermaid doesn't mean Disney has a new license on Ariel the character,
1: all the new merchandising can and is being copyrighted by the company. And that is a major reason why Disney is making all these remakes in the first place.
0: In the words of Lexology author Kira Boyd, quote, Disney's live-action remakes are not technically extending their copyright over their animated films, but they are providing Disney with new copyrightable material that may eventually replace their old works in the public consciousness, end quote.
1: So Disney is doing what all the other companies do and they're simply just trying to make more and more money
0: and try to fill
1: their pockets.
0: Yeah and it's interesting how they found a way to do that because creating another movie doesn't necessarily extend the copyright but all the toys, all the costumes, everything associated with the new movie, they can copyright those things and then kind of bring those things to a new generation of kids which I mean seems benevolent but obviously Mm -hmm. they're end goal is just to have a hold on the characters and keep making money off of them.
1: I mean, it's definitely a loophole when you think about it, because Mm -hmm. I don't think like the people who created the rules behind this were ever thought like a company would go this big and have the ability to do that. So it's definitely a loophole, Mm -hmm. but I mean, you can't blame them. I mean, they're a company and they're just trying to make money. So they're going to do whatever it takes. So. Also, when it comes to music, companies and corporations have massive
0: power over what is used and what others can use and reproduce. And so the question arises, should corporations have such power or should individuals also have access to media such as movies and music that is already so widely known and accessible? And this brings us into our opinion section. So, let's, Leo, why don't you go first and let's let's hear your opinion on this? Gladly. Yeah. So, let me let me talk a little bit about what I think when it comes to copyright. So, I think that the original purpose of copyright as you were kind of just talking about is not necessarily in line with how copyright law looks today i think the original purpose of copyright was so that somebody wouldn't reproduce art and claim it as their own when it wasn't their own and so i'll give a little example if i were to put on a not so well-known play say in the 1700s that a rival playwright wrote and i'm performing it as my own Or even if I'm just performing it, everyone seeing it would think that it was mine since I'm performing it, even though it was made by somebody else. Or if in the 1900s I performed a song at a bar that somebody else wrote and it seems like an original song, everyone is going to think that that's mine, even though I didn't write it. And so I would be in violation of copyright and should be rightfully punished. But today that's not the case. Today people, and specifically corporations are striking copyright against people, but they're using things that are already super well known and that nobody would ever mistake for being theirs. And for the example of our podcast, when we use in our pep talk number 14, which was our Happy Holidays episode, the song we use was All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey. So when we use that song, according to Anchor and Universal Music Group, we're in their violation of their copyright. But nobody listening to our episode thinks that All I Want for Christmas is our song. Nobody listening to that is going to think, oh, they probably wrote, recorded, and they're making it seem like it's their own. Like, obviously, everybody knows the song already, and it's so widely known that there's no reason that anyone is ever going to think that we wrote, made, or own that song. We're simply using that song to connect with our relatively small audience and to entertain you all. But by using that song we're in no way harming the universal music group and we're not claiming anything that's theirs we're not even penning it off as our own as the initial idea of copyright was going back to the idea of in the 1700s right if i put on a play that wasn't mine then i could definitely hurt that rival playwright's career right they could be totally ruined because the thing that they put so much work into was penned off as somebody else's and now they have to start from scratch but that's not at all what is happening today and specifically in our case when we're using that song we're not hurting this company universal music group is not at a disadvantage it's not like they've lost this song to us because we're claiming it's ours which we're not even doing and that's really what's happening with so much copyright i mean we can look at disney too right let's say there's a college student who's in film school and wants to make a short film using some of disney's characters which obviously they can't do because of copyright but if they were allowed to do so then they could put a very fun twist on these characters that we wouldn't be able to see like they could do i don't know a world in which ariel is evil and ursula is the good guy or something like that right something that we would never see disney actually make because obviously they're not going to take well-known characters and well-known stories and change them because that's not going to make the money right but if say this film student were to be able to make this movie with the characters then that could bring a new light of creativity into the world of filmmaking but because disney has this copyright on it it's not allowing them to do so and even if they were to use these characters no one is going to watch that and say oh ariel and ursula that's the characters from that short film like no obviously everyone's going to know disney still owns them but having disney not let other people use those characters It's the only reason that it exists is because one, as Vishal was talking about, through loopholes, they figured out a loophole, how to hold on to these characters, and because they just want to keep making money off of them. And so I think copyright has become a kind of way to enforce this. It's allowed corporations to enforce their ownership over property so that they can make more money off of it, when in reality, the initial idea of copyright was to allow individuals to be proud of their own work and to make a living and not have to fear other people using their work and obviously that's simply not the case right now and so while copyright started as a good idea and it started as something that protected people right now it's something that's hurting creativity especially in the movie business and it's allowing people like me and vishal to not create a podcast that is able to attract and entertain our viewers as well because we can't use these silly little songs that we use for 15 seconds in our (laughs) intro So I really don't think it's fair. And I think copyright law needs to change and be more inclusive of the little guy and not only favor these giant corporations.
1: I think that was very well said, Leo. And actually, I think for one of the few times on the podcast, I'm actually going to take your side on this one. So for majority of the claim of what you said, I think the main thing I took away was that copyright laws are kind of too far and they've extended to, you know, too far past of what they were truly meant to do. And yeah, I think for the most part, I actually agree with you. I think the only time a copyright law should be enacted or enforced is when that person who's trying to use that character, which another company has like a share on or like the rights to, that person tries to make money off them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? So in our case, we've said multiple times, and you can actually find this out, that we in no way try to make any sort of money from our podcast. Yeah. We do this simply because we are interested and engaged in news, and we want to find an outlet and to share our opinions. and that's the only thing that we're trying to do here and i think that our episodes our two episodes getting copyright striked was really like i don't know i don't think it was really needed because Mm -hmm. again like you said i think you said it pretty well these two things that we did we weren't in any way it wasn't like the main thing of our episode i mean the rest of the episode was our own creativity and we came up with what we wanted to talk about the only reason why we used these two songs was because it was a way to connect with our audience and sort of match the theme with the episode yeah and um you know, obviously now we're smarter and we've learned our lesson and we know that it's going to be, we have to take some time to actually look at the songs that we're picking. We got to make sure that other companies don't have rights to songs because fortunately it was only two episodes, right? Imagine if all those other 25 episodes had gone (laughs) down and all that hard work would have been down the drain. So, I mean, as much as it sucks and as much as we got the bad end of it, we just got to take our experience. We got to learn from our lessons and we'll be smarter next time. But as for copyright, I definitely agree with the fact that it's gotten too far and there needs to be some change immediately because the fact that these corporations can just come in and strike down and have the power to take down these episodes, which we work so hard on, is just wrong, right? I think there are many ways to deal with this situation. They could have sent us an email saying, hey, do you mind taking this down? We don't want to take this course of action, but if you don't take it down, we'll have to go this way. And we and Leia would have happily cooperated.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Again, the main thing of these songs was not for any sort of monetary use, right? We don't make any money from this. We don't profit off this. It was only to connect with you guys, the audience. And that's the only thing that we're trying to do. So what's next of this? What's to come of this? Obviously, in the future, we're going to be more careful with our songs. We're still going to try to connect with you guys, and we're still going to choose interesting songs that match with this episode. But we're just going to have to be more careful, and we're going to have to choose melodies and songs that don't have copyright claims to them. But yeah, I sort of got off topic. But overall, I agree with what you said. But there is one thing I would like to point out in which I kind of disagree with you. When you talked about that artist who wanted to use the Ariel and Ursula characters and sort of like give a different plot to it, i think that it's okay on the premise that they don't release it or try to get any money off it i think that if you use the same characters but create a different storyline then i think disney does have the possibility and does have the right to kind of step in and say no this is not right because it's our
0: characters and it's kind of our idea what do you think about that Leo? i think that's fair i think it's in it's really a tough situation because on one hand you want to give the rights to the people who own them right mm-hmm. obviously but one hand the people who own the rights at this point aren't even those who created it i mean the executives of disney today have really i doubt that had any role to play in the creation of the little mermaid movie years ago so on one hand yeah we want to if disney owns the the characters right then they should have control over how they're used but on the other hand you don't really want to stifle creativity and i think that because of copyright laws today that creativity and we could be seeing so many different possibilities or stories or adaptations and copyright law is not allowing artists to make the things that they could be able to make. And possibilities of creativity being spread in not just movies, but in music Mm -hmm. and in all other fields, I feel like copyright is kind of limiting how creativity could be used. So obviously that's a negative, but I do see where you're coming from.
1: Yeah, I think think you also brought up a good point about that. I think... There are executives that go into this process of like saying this should be stricken down. And I don't actually think goes all the way to the artist, right? Yeah,
0: like I, I guarantee the people at Universal Music Group who flagged our episode had no part in, in, in creating All I Want for Christmas by Mariah Carey. <laughs> yeah, and she probably
1: doesn't even know that
0: thing was flagged. If Mariah Carey herself emailed <laughs> us asking us to take the episode down. We would 100% take
1: the episode oblige, down. We would oblige, yes. But yeah, I mean, I think that's all we got to say for copyright. Leo, do you want to get into our outro for today?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So thank you all so much for listening to this episode. We're looking forward to releasing some more as the summer goes on. Yeah, I mean, We'll was... try to
1: get some out, and we'll try to get some out quickly because we have to make up for our break.
0: Yes, Again, absolutely. we apologize for that, but... Junior year is, is tough. Very, We're both very busy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that being said, we're excited for what's to come, and I think that's
0: all for today. So Leo, why don't you sign us off? All right. Happy listening, everyone, and stay political.
1: For more exclusive content, visit weekly political